1: You're listening to 105.9 The Region and welcome to On The Market. This is York Region's exclusive radio real estate show. I'm station manager Tina Cortez and my co-host and real estate expert is Asif Khan with Remax Prime Properties. Good morning, Asif.
2: Good morning, Tina.
1: Okay, well, here we are, the end of April. Shall we talk sales?
2: Let's talk sales. What an April it's been for... York Region, and real estate. Now, last year, we had done 1,196 transactions in York Region for the month of April. We had 5,209 active listings uh, through the month of April. This year, we are on pace to hit over 1,500 sales. So that's going to be about a 25% increase in sales, unit sales. And what's contributing to prices kind of getting a little higher now is that our active inventory is down about 10%. So that's, gonna, that's why you're starting to see multiple offers. You're starting to see a lot of listings. When you're looking through the MLS, you're starting to see listings holding off offers because there's so much pent-up demand, and that's coming into play right now.
1: Now, you, know, you talked about a possible 25% increase. We have a few days left here in April. Are you surprised by these numbers?
2: I really am for April. I We had anticipated that things would start off in in a flurry of activity for 2019, and they really have. Typically, by the end of April, beginning of May is when things start to kick in. Things really kicked in at the end of March. And just to put some perspective on this, we were looking at our office numbers for number of listings and appointments booked, for the, from the end of March to the beginning of April, we're up five times. Wow. So it's absolutely insane in the office right now with the phone ringing for appointments. There's so much happening in the market, and this is going to continue because they just announced this week that they would be holding the interest rate. So that's got to play into a lot of uh, you know more con- just consumer confidence, and that's going to continue the flurry of activity that we've seen over the last month. So this isn't typical. Is this usually the
1: time of year rather than, you know, this flurry of activity that you talked about, that it's, you know, it's just the time that we kind of get gears in motion. Is that what usually happens?
2: Usually we're just amping up right now okay. and the weather is starting to turn. Like we haven't even really had great weather. We've had a lot of rain. We've had colder temperatures but you've still got demand out there, and this is because last year we didn't have a lot happening. It's all pent-up demand from last year, plus you throw in demand for, for normal demand for this time of year, and you, this is what happens.
1: Now, are there particular areas that are hotter than others? Are there a particular type of property that is more popular than another type right now? What exactly is hot on the market?
2: On the market? That's good. <laughs> <laughs> It's uh, You're starting to see detached homes moving now as well, whereas last year they were struggling a bit. You're starting to see condos continue with their heated activity. Obviously, there's more condos in the region now, so that's helping.
1: But it's also gone up, you know, condos have gone up in price. You're still seeing um, people wanting to get into the market, into the
2: condo market? Yeah, and condos have gone up even in the area if you're looking at averages. You used to be at about 425 $450 a square foot. Now you're at about 550 a square foot in York Region, $600 a square foot. So condos continue to appreciate at a great level for investors. And at the same time, you've also got houses coming back into the picture now. So you've got a lot of options for purchasers.
1: So you've said there's a lot of activity happening inside your offices. What exactly are your agents hearing? What exactly is the activity that's going on?
2: There's a lot of sales. There's a lot of listings. There's multiple offers. It's it's a heated market. It's not 2016 again, but it is 2009, 2010, and we're starting to see multiple offers. We're starting to see people come in, even if it's two or three on one property you're starting to see those people come in now and how do you manage the multiple offer situation it's managing expectations and it's you know it's it's basically managing the sellers expectations when you're on the listing side more than the buyers expectations the buyers are pretty savvy right now the sellers are still wanting to get as high as they can and the balance is we want to get them as high as possible but we also want the deal to close because if they get too high of a price The bank's not going to appraise it and the deal's going to fall apart at the last minute. And then there's a domino effect because they've already bought and those people have already bought. So we have to manage expectations and that's where experience comes in with your realtor. You have to really count on that.
1: Now, you said that the buyers are quite savvy. What do you mean by that? What kind of homework are they doing as they head into these deals?
2: There's so much information available on the internet for buyers. So not only do you now have sold prices, but you've also got everything that's available. You've got them doing homework in terms of what historic prices have been. So the buyers, when they're coming in, when we're meeting buyers for the first time, even from our online lead sources, they're very well prepared in their home search. They've already done their homework. And now it's taking all of that information and bridging the gap between information and decision. And that's what you need the realtor for because there's so much information on the internet. You may think you have all the information and you probably do. But what do you do with that information? How do you decipher that information and bring it to a decision? That's the bridge that becomes your realtor.
1: Okay, so let's circle back before we wrap up our conversation. We started on sales. How do you want to end our conversation
2: on sales with just a few days left in April and as we head into May? As we head into May, for York Region itself we're probably going to be up between 45 and 5% for the entire year, year to date. So that's huge compared to last year, and that's going to be the trend moving forward because we're just beginning our busy season. For us, it feels like we've been in it for a couple of months, but... Realistically, we're heading into May, and that's the start of the busy season, typically. So it's going to get heated. So realtors, they have to fasten their seatbelts. Buyers and sellers, you got to be ready to go.
1: All right, buyers and sellers, buckle up. When we come back, legal advice before your closing date. Stay with us. You're listening to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. You're listening to 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to On The Market, York Region's only radio real estate show. I'm station manager Tina Cortez, and my co-host is Asif Khan
2: with REMAX Prime Properties. Thank you, Tina. Joining us next is Ricky Rathor, owner of REMAX Empire and founding partner at Rathor Big.
1: Welcome back, Ricky.
2: Thank you. Thank you for having me again. Ricky, we've uh, started to get to the point uh, of the year where a lot of properties are now starting to close. And we've had some instances where the banks haven't been ready and we've had to ask for extensions. Now, what does that entail from a a legal perspective and are clients leaving themselves open for lawsuits when something like this happens?
3: So it's it's not normally the bank not being ready. It's usually a combination of the borrower not putting together the right pieces of the puzzle together, and then it's causing delays. And the key thing to remember here is that when you sign an agreement of purchase and sale, more often than not, the agreement of purchase and sale has a time is of the essence clause in it. And so the parties are mutually agreeing when they enter into that contract that time is really important. And so as a offset of that, if you've got a closing date, for example, for the 31st of May. The contract requires you to close no later than 6 p.m. At 6.01, if you haven't closed, you're in breach of contract. Now, you could be in breach because you're a seller and you haven't been able to provide the property or the buyer because you haven't been able to provide the property. So it can go either way. But time is really important.
2: Now, when when an extension... Absolutely has to be done. Is it the realtor doing it on an amendment or is it the lawyers taking over? Where's that line that says, okay, you can no longer do an amendment, you need to go through the lawyers? Is it two weeks before? Is it a month before?
3: Or do the lawyers just work this out at the end? So it really depends. I think most realtors will want to make an effort to have the actual amendments reduced into writing. Okay. Um, As far as we are concerned as attorneys, it can go either way. The main thing is is plugging it so that it benefits your specific client. So if you represent the buyer, you just want an extension. You don't want any conditions attached to that. Whereas if you represent the seller, you might say, hey, I want another deposit. I want you to put your money where your mouth is. You want another 30 days? I want another $20,000 deposit right? Now, our closing date set for the 31st of May, which means that taxes, maintenance fees, all of those things that we adjust on what we call the statement of adjustments, those are adjusted as of the 31st. That adjustment should stay as of the 31st. If you want another 30-day extension, I'm not going to pay for any of those adjustments. They remain your responsibility. On top of that, I've got a mortgage payment. I've got other things that I have incurred. And so you can negotiate what the buyer who is in default at that time, is going to be responsible for in the event that they want the extension.
1: Now, there's so many new builds happening across the region. These extensions or these delays and closings seem to be happening more often than not.
3: It's really circumstantial. So it goes both ways. If you've seen some of the recent case law, you see there's a, a lot of developments that have gone up in value substantially. And so the builder comes back and says, hey, we're not extending it, but we'll give you the opportunity to repurchase the property at the higher price. They don't have to agree to an extension, and that's the key point here. Once you sign that contract, you want to make sure you're able to do what you can to close that transaction. If you can't, you're going to end up in a really funny situation, depending on the other side and their strength.
2: And also, when you're representing a seller, I mean, sometimes there's penalties involved. How are these penalties calculated? Is it per diem? Is there a flat penalty that you can charge? Because often, sellers have already purchased a property as well, and they're you know, on the hook to close on that property on time. So just because the buyer of their property isn't able
3: to close doesn't mean that it's just a straightforward extension. Yeah. So more often than not, when you've got someone who can't close, it creates a domino reaction, just like you said, because you've bought the property, you've sold the property, someone's going to close. So it it, it sets up a series of different chain of events, which are, are, are going to become highly problematic. And so in a situation like this, the per diem means per day. And so One thing to appreciate is that you can't just call your lawyer and say, I want $20,000 as damages. You can't just make up damages. They have to be substantiated. And so if the damages are reasonable as a result of the breach of contract, you can try to get those damages from the other party. But again, it's all in good faith and good dealings and negotiation. You might want something. The buyer may not be able to provide it to you. And so now you have to step back as a seller and say, and think to yourself, do I want to risk losing the transaction and then end up back on the market and then have to sue this buyer, or should I take what I can get at this point and make reasonable efforts to make uh, the transaction close? I'll give you one example now. Uh, There was a recent situation where the appraised value on a property came out $80,000 lower. Buyer goes to the builder and says, I need you to reduce the price by eighty thousand because that you know the bank has come down so conservatively on the appraisal. The builder came back and said, "We're not going to do that, but the factual reality was is if the builder tried to relist that property and sell it, they weren't going to get they were going to get even less than that and so in negotiating that with the builder, we were able to negotiate it not eighty but at least halfway we met halfway because we told the builder that if you went and rejected this reasonable request to mitigate and you went and resold the property and now you lose two hundred thousand dollars we're not going to allow you to sue us for that kind of a difference because we've already offered to bridge the gap with the 40000 And so that was a good story where it actually worked out, but it doesn't always work out that way.
1: Yeah, and what about those stories that work in favor of the builder? You know, there are a ton of condos, uh, Asif, you've mentioned this, that are going up across the region, and they are new-build condos. Uh, folks have purchased them at a certain price. We've seen the price of the condo go up over the last few years. What if the builder comes back and says, you know what, the price of this condo is now going up. Can they do that?
3: No, they can't do that. Okay. So once the contract is signed, the contract is signed. Okay. Um, so what you've agreed to is that uh, that's that's what the purchase price is going to be. Whether the market goes up or down, it goes both ways. That's the deal you've made and that's what you've got to uphold.
2: And, and how does that work when you're uh, trying to get out of a deal and an extension is not possible or, or you're in a deal and the extension is not possible? Is it best just to sign a mutual release? I mean, we've heard that uh, if you sign a mutual release, the seller of the home is now unable to uh, sue for damages. How does that uh,
3: play out? So it really depends on the language. So if you're using the standard ORIA form, that's a full and final release, which means that, yes, you've cut your legs out if you want to sue. And so one of the things we always do as attorneys is if we want an extension and the, the buyer agrees to pay another deposit, we also have all of the parties sign off on a irrevocable direction to release the deposits without actually entering into a settlement. Now, what that means in simple English is that you're going to pay me another $10,000. i have got $10,000 already in trust. That money cannot be released unless there's a court order or a settlement, mutual release. And so in lieu of, if the parties direct the lawyers and the brokerages, all of the parties, the buyers and sellers say, look, we agree that if we don't close on the next extending, uh, extension date, we agree that the broker of records authorized to release this money. Now, that benefits the seller because they don't have to sue now, they get the money up front, now they can mitigate loss and and they can take things in tandem. Whereas if you sign the mutual release, now you can't really sue. You've just walked away with your deposit, however it's structured, and you're basically agreeing to walk away from the transaction without being able to sue after the fact. So you have to structure it carefully.
2: And and Ricky, you guys are now getting into your busy season. Uh, This is when properties are starting to close. So obviously this is going to be a time where you see a lot more of this. Are you seeing more... People ask for extensions this year or, you know, in previous years when the market was
3: not as busy as it is right now. So our law, we do a lot of transactions. We're a transaction-based law firm because uh, we specifically specialize in real estate transactions. And so that's the nature of our business. And we see, we see all sorts of things all the time. And so I can't, if I look in comparison to the previous years, it's no different, really. It all falls back on the situation and the individual and how prepared they are for the closing. Some people think that they're going to wing it. They've got bad advice from a mortgage agent or a banker or whoever the case may be. And so sometimes I, I have to, unfortunately, involve myself in situations where very vulnerable people have trusted professionals and really gotten burned by that experience. And so, you know, irrespective of what your professional tells you, make sure you've gotten writing, make sure you've got your paper trail before you start, you know, waiving and fulfilling your conditions.
1: So that's your piece of advice going forward, is that, you know what, have a lawyer involved right out of the gate.
3: Possibly, yeah. Just make sure that, you know, if somebody says your financing is approved... Look at the commitment. Make sure it's signed off. Look at what the conditions are. Most of these commitments have conditions. If you've got a condition for an appraisal, make sure the appraisal is done during that five-day condition period. Don't wait till a week before the closing.
2: And a lot of people will get their uh, commitment and then try to shop around, and that usually complicates it right there because now you're opening up a can of worms because your next commitment may not come in in time. So, you know, that's another thing that we try to tell our clients is, you know, if you're looking for a better deal, uh, quite often it's not around because you have to compare products to products. You probably see that a lot in that uh, w- when people are shopping for different savings or or different types of mortgages, that's when deals always have to get extended because the banks can't come through in time.
3: That's right. Yeah, and and that's exactly what it is. It's definitely an, it's an avoidable. Situation. But I think a lot of people get very complicated with it and they're trying to save a couple of percentages, you know, and it's fair. And nobody wants to spend money unnecessarily, but you have to be very careful because if you've signed off on that commitment, you've signed off on that agreement, the expectations are going to close.
2: Well, Ricky, great information again. Thank you very much. And we look forward
3: to having you on next month. Thank you. Thank you. Always a pleasure.
1: And if our listeners want more information, how can they connect with you, Ricky?
3: Uh, They can go online at r a t h o r e b a i g. R-A-T-H-O-R-E-B-A-I-G.com, or give us a call at 416-731-8478.
1: When we come back, we get to your real estate questions and this week's hot listing. And just a reminder, if you missed any part of our show, go to 1059theregion.com and click on Schedule. You're listening to 1059 The
0: Region. Stay with us.
1: Welcome back to On the Market, York Region's exclusive radio real estate show on 105.9 The Region. I'm Station Manager Tina Cortez and my co-host is Asif Khan with Remax Prime Properties. Time now for our listener questions. Our first one comes from Joseph in Maple. He is considering the purchase of a new build condo but is concerned about finding a reputable builder or developer. How does he do his homework before he provides the deposit checks, Asif?
2: Great question, Joseph, and this is something that we get all the time because there are so many condo developments or or new build projects out there. How do you find that reputable developer? I mean, we have the luxury of being able to get to know developers, their track record. We also know what happens from when our client signs the document all the way until they're delivered the keys. So rely on that experience, talk to a realtor and find out what they're recommending because a lot of realtors will just recommend projects that they're making a lot of money on. What you want is you want someone representing you and saying, hey, that's great. But this might be where you want to be because this is where you're going to make some more money. And the deposit structure is more friendly. Like there's, there's a lot of factors that go into buying a new build. And you want to make sure that you're protected because you're tying up your money for two years, three years, four years, sometimes even five years. Make sure you're making that right call and call your realtor. Talk to a realtor. Talk to people that work in new construction and make sure that you're protected all around.
1: And we just had this conversation with Ricky about, you know, what having having that realtor, having a lawyer, being them, having them on your side through this process, right?
2: Yeah, you need to build a team. It's not just going out on your own and and trying to find projects. You need a team of professionals behind you. So mortgage broker, lawyer, realtor, these are all your allies during your, your transaction. So you need to rely on them. You need to find someone that has experience dealing in that certain aspect of your real estate transaction and, uh, and go with that. The next question comes from Jenna
1: in Markham. She wants to know if she should spend time on her own visiting open houses before she meets with an agent. She's concerned about wasting time with the part of the home search that she can do on her own. Are there risks in visiting open houses without an agent? Azef, what do you think?
2: Well, Jenna, don't think of it as wasting time, because if you take us with you to open houses or to see properties, we're getting to know exactly what you want, what you like, what you don't like. So it's not a waste of time at all. It's more of uh, us getting to know what you want, you being able to point out to your agent what you're looking for what you don't like in a home so we can avoid those, what you like in a home so we can get you through homes that have those features. So it's not a waste of time at all. It's actually good quality time.
1: And are there risks if she does this on her own?
2: There's not a risk to go and visit open houses I mean, you want to have your own representation when you're going through because you want to make sure that, again, just like the last question, you want to make sure you're protected and someone's looking out for your best interest. So if you're signing on as a client, they have to give you the comparables. They have to provide you with all the information about that property that may not be on the table. So make sure that uh, you're you're going in and, and you know that you have a realtor backing you up. And I think
1: that's so important, having someone advocating for you, Right.
2: That's exactly what it is and it's going to it's going to save you a lot of grief in in the future.
1: Okay, also if our listeners have any other questions for you, how can they connect?
2: They can give us a call at 416-985-con, that's 416-985-5426. And just
1: before we go, this week's hot listing joining us next is Heather Cooper from Remax Prime Properties. Heather, over to you. Thanks, Tina. This week's Hot Listing is a detached three-bedroom, three-bath home in Cornell. This home is almost 2,000 square feet with a mostly finished basement and a separate side entrance. It's been updated throughout with a new trendy gray cabinetry. You've got hardwood flooring throughout and a beautiful mass retreat with a separate sitting area. It also features a double garage with an extra parking pad, so you've got parking for three cars. It's got a huge covered front porch overlooking a beautiful park. Sounds fantastic. Uh, also, remind our listeners, where's Cornell?
2: Cornell is the 9th line Highway 7 area up to about 16th Avenue over uh, from there as well towards Donald Cousins Parkway. Great little pocket. And what do you think of this property? I had the pleasure of visiting that property uh, this week and it is a great property. Not only that, there's a park right across the street and what you don't see these days anymore is kids playing out there in the park. And there were so many kids playing in the park across the street from this house, so I guess they came home from school. They, they got outside and they were running around in this park. Even like the backyard is a fair-sized backyard, but having that park right in front of you is just—it's a great deal.
1: A family-friendly f- neighborhood then. It sure is. Okay, Heather, one more time, the highlights of this home and where our listeners can get more information. Okay, it's a detached three-bedroom, three-bath home in Cornell. The listing price on this one is $898,000. And for more information, they can contact Susan Taylor at 905-554-5522. Asif, awesome. that's our show for this week.
2: Great show, Tina. Thank you.
1: See you in May. And remember, if you need to connect with Asif Khan or if you missed any part of On the Market, go to our website, 1059theregion.com. Thanks for listening.
0: Need to connect with Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca.